This is the Traversidiest. I'm Gretchen Carr, creator, producer, and host. I invite you to join me on an exploration of regional culture in and around Traverse City, Michigan. If you are new to this podcast, welcome. Be sure to check out our previous episodes. The Traversidiest is supported by friends who give monthly or annual contributions. You too can become a friend. Learn more at traversidiest.com. This episode of The Traversityist is brought to you with support of Ken Richmond Architect, an architectural firm established in Traverse City in 1999 by Kenneth C. Richmond, AIA. Located in the old Munson Hall on the historic grounds of the Grand Traverse Commons, Richmond Architects provides a full range of architectural and planning services with work throughout Northern Michigan, especially in and around the Traverse City area. That is the voice of Douglas Cardinal. He is an internationally acclaimed architect based in Ottawa, Canada. His architecture includes significant museums, places of worship, schools, healthcare centers, embassies, and First Nations communities. If you have been to the Canadian Museum of History in Gatineau, Quebec, or the Smithsonian's National Museum of the American Indian in Washington, D.C., then you have been affected by his work. One of his buildings is located in the village of Bashabitown of northern Leelanau County. To have one of Cardinal's buildings in the Grand Traverse region is no small thing. Nestled in a lush meadow, surrounded by old-growth orchards and gentle wooded hills. The Strong Heart Civic Center is a freestanding, 150-foot-tall geodesic dome built in the shape of a turtle. Completed in 2001, it serves as a community center for youth and sporting events, as well as cultural events. It is a symbol for the cultural and spiritual blending of dreams and visualizations of over 3,500 Ottawa and Chippewa tribal community members. When the Grand Traverse Band of Ottawa and Chippewa Indians planned to build their civic center, they turned to Douglas Cardinal. Born in 1934 in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, Cardinal has become recognized for his philosophies of sustainability, green buildings, and ecologically designed community planning. His designs express his signature style of harmonious curvilinear forms. He is considered one of Canada's most influential contemporary Indigenous architects, receiving multiple prestigious awards in Canada and Russia, including an award from UNESCO for Best Sustainable Village. 
Cardinal has also been titled as an Officer of the Order of Canada and was awarded the Declaration of Being World Master of Contemporary Architecture by the International Association of Architects. Cardinal's journey as an architect begins with his parents. The oldest of eight children, his father was of Sixika, French, and Ojibwe heritage, with his mother of German, French, and Métis descent. Like many children of the First Nations, he spent the majority of his childhood away from home. I was sent to a, a residential Catholic school, and although it was very difficult, um, I felt that the only way I could really truly survive is to say, you know, uh, my elders always told me there's only good and a crooked good that needs to be straightened out so that don't look at anything that's bad. There's only good and a crooked good. And maybe it's a crooked good that you were sent there in that environment because it taught you all about the arts. And so in order to be able to survive, I was trained in music. And then I, I thought, well, music is food for the soul, but also there's the beauty of art as well as music that is beautifully represented in the architects of the Holy Roman Church, the Catholic Church. And so I got interested to see the architecture, the great architects of uh, who created the spiritual spaces for Christianity. And so uh, in studying them, I could see how they entwined music, how they entwined uh, art, sculpture, and uh, spirituality in the structures that they built. So I saw that in the arts, that architecture was the mother of the arts, if it's done right. It involves all your senses, not only the physical senses, but your spiritual sense as well, and the sense of space. And so I thought, now there's a challenge, that's a challenge that I could take on, and that is to take on the uh, challenge of being an architect would be an amazing way of expressing one's uh, spirit and one's culture. And so um, for a prairie boy, I was really well educated in the arts. And so I owe the church for establishing a very solid foundation for my um, education. I thought that would be the most exciting education I could get is to be educated as an architect. And of course, I was influenced by uh, Rudolf Steiner, who is a great architect in Europe, Frank Lloyd Wright, who is a great architect in the United States. And so to me, uh, they were carrying on the tradition of architecture as I saw it, as the mother of the arts. And art is a very powerful expression. Why not bring our culture into the realm of architecture? Why not express this very powerful art form in our culture. While Cardinal claims that this early education was a blessing in disguise, he asserts that the experience was traumatizing. It had a detrimental effect on my health. And uh, I, would, I still get post-traumatic stress disorder for that experience. But I have to realize that sometimes uh, and I've learned that from the elders, too, in our sweat lodges and sun dances, that sometimes you only learn from pain. And 
teacher sometimes, and although it was painful, I learned to rise above it through art and music, and that's and that gave me my uh, foundation for my for my whole profession in architecture. The teachings at the Catholic school prompted Cardinal to continue his education with the goal of studying at a university. So, in the 10th grade, he left the convent and enrolled at a composite high school in Red Deer, Alberta. Following graduation, he attended the University of British Columbia. But I had a problem with UBC because they told me I didn't have the family background to be an architect. And to be a royal architect, you have to have a history of, of the arts and, and particularly the history of architecture. You have to be well acquainted with it and understand where you fit in that architectural environment. Despite the negative feedback from his mentors at the University of British Columbia, Cardinal was fortunate to have met Lauren Harris, a Canadian painter best known as a leading member of the Group of Seven, a famous group of Canadian landscape painters also known as the Algonquin School. He played a key role as a catalyst in Canadian art and as a visionary in Canadian landscape painting. He also played a key role in reigniting Cardinal's goal of becoming an architect. But thank heavens, I, um, when I was there, I met, um, I met one of the group of seven, Lauren Harris, and uh, I saw his work, and he said, don't be disappointed in uh, your quest to be an architect because um, you come from a culture that is entwined with the land and, and you have a respect for your environment, nature. I took all my European training and I learned again how to do my art. All the colors, all the textures, all the forms and everything I learned from nature. And that's, that's my art form. And he said, you can do the same in architecture and you have an advantage because of your native background. You're not, you don't have a disadvantage, you have an advantage. I mean, I would love to have your advantage to, to be more in harmony with, with the land, with the colors and textures and, and the sculpture of our Mother the Earth. To me, is a whole source of my inspiration. But you have that within you, and so you even have more of an advantage than I have as an artist in your field of architecture. So I encourage you to, um, to not give up, to continue um, finding your path and being an architect someday. With his encouragement, I, I felt better, and I, I decided I wouldn't listen to uh, what um, people in the school said. That I definitely had the family background to be an architect, according to, uh, to someone I highly respected as a senior member of the Group of Seven who was creating an art that was truly Canadian and truly in harmony with our land and with North America as a whole. With renewed confidence, Cardinal made the decision to study elsewhere. And so um, I uh, decided that I would go south and I would find my education in another country who would accept me uh, and accept me in training the way that I wanted to be trained. And I thought, well, Frank Lloyd Wright has a school, perhaps I should go there. So Cardinal went to Arizona and studied for a time with Frank Lloyd Wright. The only problem was that his school did not offer accreditation for architects to practice in Canada. So he suggests that I, 
The School of Architecture at the University of Texas was heavily influenced by Wright's teachings. While Cardinal was a student, he was hired by his professor's firms to produce drawings and provide general assistance with projects. Their mentorship proved invaluable. And I was educated also by a professor from Germany who had translated all of Rudolf Steiner's work, who was an amazing architect in Europe. and. Uh, and I always felt that he was an amazing teacher himself. And so uh, my professor from Germany took me under his wing and translated all, all the work from German into English so I'd understand the writings of Rudolf Steiner and his work. So I got one hell of a good education at the University of Texas, which I graduated with honors, and it helped me set up my practice in Alberta. In the early years of his practice, Cardinal was commissioned to design St. Mary's Church in Red Deer, Alberta. Completed in 1968, the structure has since been recognized as a masterpiece of Canadian architecture and in 2007 was featured on a Canada Post Stamp series featuring four Canadian architects commemorating the centennial of the Royal Architectural Institute of Canada. Cardinal's firm was one of the first in North America to utilize computers which calculates his complex organic forms. By the late 1970s, Cardinal's firm became the first to be entirely computerized. His integration of technology has encouraged the evolution of techniques and technologies of the construction and trade industries, which creates better architecture. This technology is combined with Cardinal's signature practice, known as the Vision Session. This is where he brings his client's vision into reality. The Vision Session was the first step in creating the Strong Heart Center of Peshabitam. Cardinal recalled the experience of working with the members of the Grand Traverse Band, beginning with his impressions of the Lilina Peninsula. Well, I, when I was there on the land, I saw the land in that whole peninsula as a very beautiful part of our Mother the Earth. And, uh, and so the important thing was to bring beauty and harmony to the site and, and treat the building as a work of art, a work of architecture in itself. And uh, so I felt that to do justice to the... Uh, to the site itself and that particular location, the building had to be a work of art created by the people themselves. And my job was just to make it happen as an architect. The five-acre parcel where the Strong Heart Center would be situated was of great significance, environmentally and spiritually. Well, uh, I usually, particularly in our indigenous communities, follow the traditions of, of getting the people involved as coming together in a circle. And my job is to listen to everybody there and have them come up with a vision of the whole project and, and the meaning of the project and importance of the project to them. And so actually comes from in a traditional way, asking all of our, our elders and ancestors to come and be with us so that we can have a vision that is now in the present, but also is a, a basis for the, uh, the teachings of our traditional people. 
and our ancestors. It, that vision is, is very important because that sets the whole basis for the design. And so my job primarily is to bring the people's vision that they come up with this vision session that we have together. My job is to help them bring that vision into reality. That's what I always regarded my job to be. So as an architect, it's very important to listen to the people and listen to how they want it to function and how everything should work in the building. So each area has to work for the people there. And uh, so it's all about listening to the people very intently and making sure that you check back with them. Whatever you do, you always make sure that you go back to the people and say, this is my interpretation. Can you see if my interpretation is correct? So the feedback uh, for me is so important to have that people involved in the vision session to continually review everything I do with them so that they can tell me whether I'm on track or not. And so I have to welcome criticism and welcome input and uh, because I am not going to have to live with the building. It's a community and the people are going to have to live with it and live with it for a long time. So it's so important that it serves them. And so as I design it, I come back and say, is this what you meant? And then they will correct me and say, well, um, almost, but you know, you, you, uh, you're an architect from Ottawa. You're educated in Texas. What do you know about our culture? Well, for me, um, very little. I have to come like an open book, like a clean sheet of paper. And so I, I can't present my way that I think is best for people because we've had too much history as Indigenous people that people know better than we do about how we should live. The entrance to the Strongheart Center is supported by 13 carved white cedar poles crafted by tribal members. Each pole is carved to depict one of the 13 moons of the calendar year. Burned into the wood paneling above the poles are the names of 604 Grand Travers Band of Ottawa and Chippewa Indian ancestors listed on the federal Durant census roll of the Travers Indian population taken on March 7, 1907. The lobby leads into the dome, reminiscent of a traditional sweat lodge. So we use a, a geodesic structure, which really is the most efficient structure you can build. In uh, the science of architecture, the uh, dome has been always used for a long time throughout history in both cultures. Even our sweat lodges are made out of, uh, out of willows, formed a dome in which we could sit on our mother the earth and, and learn how to be in harmony with each other in our land, with the uh, teachings of our elders and our ceremonies. But also uh, in, uh, in terms of construction, using a geodesic structure where all the members work together, each piece of the structure work together to create the most efficient building that you could possibly build. And also, what I wanted to do is make sure that the youth had the opportunity of erecting the structure themselves. So we had a, um, I looked uh, every
everywhere for the most efficient way of building. And there was a firm here in Ottawa that were building space frames very economically. So they were able to manufacture all the components of the materials in the most efficient way and uh, concerning about schedule and cost. And so they produced all the components and we shipped them to the site. And so the whole building came together by constructing all these components to work together. And that's what a geodesic structure does. Originally created by Buckminster Fuller. The geodesic dome is not only efficient and cost-effective, but it is constructed by simply bolting all the parts together. Cardinal saw this design and technique as the ideal way for the community to take part in building the structure, a structure that would endure for the next seven generations. And so it is really necessary that human beings entirely change their attitude and what they are doing in building their communities and building their buildings because the most uh, polluting machines now on the planet are cars and they're doing something about that. But the second most polluting machines on the planet are our buildings. And so we have to make sure that we don't add to the problems of our mother, the earth, because right now we have created a serious problem in living on this planet because we're not in harmony with our mother, the earth. And so that is a, a priority that we have to concern ourselves with everything we do. And and that was particularly important to the people in everything we, we did about erecting an environment that served the community and particularly served the next generation. Our youth is very important so that if we train our youth properly, we carry on the culture. So um, it was a way of supporting our, our, our children, a way of supporting our women, a way of supporting our youth, and, uh, and, and to make them strong and vital and to have them a place where they could exercise and, and be strong in heart and spirit and mind and body. We wanted to be able to have that, that place that would uh, make us stronger as a nation and as a people. So that's why when they finished the building, they decided to call it Strong Art. Steve Faringa, a member of the Grand Traverse Band, has served as the tribal architect since 1999. For him, it was an honor to work with Douglas Cardinal. He knew that our culture had to be strongly integrated into this project. And it is, it, it, some, of, some of it's very right in your face, and then, but there's a lot of things that are very subtle that you don't notice unless you talk to people here. Like the shape, it's a, it's a turtle. The building's a shape like a turtle. And that's, that's a symbol of endurance and strength. You know, turtles have strong hearts. And that's where the strong heart name came from. The heart of a turtle was used as medicines, but it, the turtle, if, if a turtle is killed, the heart keeps beating for a long time after the turtle is deceased. That's where the strong heart term came from. And so we just call it strong heart. And then our, our name for it in our language, in the Anishinaabemowin, is Zungadeewin, and that means strong heart. To me, it was an honor serving that community because they taught me a lot. An architect is continually learning, you know, and you have to continue learn uh, all the time, all the t different technologies, all the different engineering disciplines, all the different 
instruction of how you serve your client better. And so it, uh, it really was an opportunity to further my knowledge and education about our own indigenous people, mine included. We have an opportunity as architects to make a difference on this planet in a good way instead of a bad way of what's happening now. We're creating a, a throwaway architecture, you know, we're not thinking about what we're doing. Uh, most of our buildings are not designed to last and they're designed for the moment and, and they're made out of materials that are not long lasting or, or, or nothing to hand down to the next generation. And uh, we have to be uh, mindful of what we're doing. Let's not produce a heritage of junk for the next generation, but a heritage of beauty and a heritage of creativity and a heritage of belonging on this beautiful planet. I'm Gretchen Carr. Thank you for listening to The Traversityist. This episode of The Traversityist was brought to you with the support of Ken Richmond Architect, an architectural firm established in Traverse City in 1999 by Kenneth C. Richmond, AIA. Located in the Old Munson Hall on the historic grounds of the Grand Traverse Commons, Richmond Architects provides a full range of architectural and planning services with work throughout northern Michigan, especially in and around the Traverse City area.